Hi guys, this is Gabrielle Mandel of Super Endura and welcome to Creative Conversations. I started my brand four years ago and in that time I've had the pleasure of meeting and working with so many other creative entrepreneurs. I created this podcast to give them the space to tell their story and both celebrate the successes but also talk about the difficulties. These conversations have inspired me deeply, and I hope they will also motivate you and invigorate you on your own creative path. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Creative Conversations. I have to say this has been such a fun process of getting to sit down with my friends or the people I admire and just getting to hear them tell their story in their own words. I am especially excited for this week's podcast with Nicole Haddad of Lobo Mao. After graduating Drexel with a master's degree in fashion design, Nicole launched her clothing line, Lobo Mao. She has been running Lobo Mao for 10 years, and in that time, she has honed her brand's stylish yet comfortable pieces that her customers adore. In her studio, she and her small team hand screened their signature abstract prints. She is committed to slow fashion and working with artisans and craftspeople in her community. Her pieces have been featured on Beta Brand, Alexa Chung's website, and many other outlets where cool clothes are found. It was so fun to sit and chat with her, and without further ado, this is this week's episode. ...of ladies, and the great thing is that we met each other probably about four or five years ago, and at first we were kind of just acquaintances, and then we became friends, and then I feel like we became like deep like designer friends like (laughs) in the trenches together just trying to figure things out um and that's been like really awesome because I feel like we've developed this really kind of great community um but I really wanted to have you on because I feel like your business really has evolved and you've really tried so much stuff with it and you've always just like sort of kept moving forward and figuring out what works um and I feel like your story is just like really great to share so I'm happy that we're finally getting to sit down to do this. Thanks, Gabby. Yeah. So um, (laughs) let's just start from the beginning. Tell me about like what you want to be when you were growing up. Well, I think I always wanted to be a fashion designer. So I have early memories of drawing clothing and like, you know, coloring it in and making patterns and doing that kind of thing. So I have, you know, photos of me as a young child doing it, but I also remember the experience of like drawing clothing and feeling elated. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, but then I didn't really understand that's what I wanted to do, even though I drew clothing constantly Mm, all through my life. And then I, you know, I went more towards like fine art for a while and studied and I did painting and drawing Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And I actually went to college for that for the first two years, but then I I ended up uh, messing around too much. Mm -hmm. And that's how... I ended up um, becoming an art history major <laughs> and then leaving art behind nice. for a while. Yeah, and you have this really great story. And I think this is kind of great because lots of times I hear stories where people are like, I wanted to be this and like only this. And they never think of like doing something different. But you, I feel like at a certain point, wanted to go in a very different direction and go into yeah. like art history. Yeah, so like when I realized that I was messing around too much in college, I was like just like drawing giant bananas like for my project and I was putting any thought into it. Like it was just, I was wasting my parents' money and I realized it and I was like, I need an education. I'm just going to like go into art history. I'm going to learn all about art and then I'm going to come back to it in some way. Mm-hmm. And then like by the time I, I graduated with my degree in art history, I like had fallen in love with art history mm-hmm. and was like determined that I was going to become an art historian at that mm-hmm. point. Cause I just loved, I loved the powerful women that 
taught me at my program at Skidmore. Mm-hmm. And they were just like these women who could just get up there and speak extemporaneously on like any topic and just sound so amazingly smart. And like I wanted to be them. They wrote mm-hmm. books, you know, they were just like so cool. And I, like, I wanted to do that. So I went, started to apply to, to grad schools and I applied to a program. I'm not going to say where it was <laughs> in a, a university, a very prominent university. And I ended up getting in and I was one of 11 people selected. And I was like so ecstatic. I'm like, we're moving to blank city <laughs> and we're going to have, you know, this experience. I have my boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time who's now my husband. Mm-hmm. And that same night after I told everybody in my entire life that I was going to the school and mm-hmm. my life was changing, mm-hmm. I got a, an email from the main professor of the program saying, oh, I'm so sorry. We emailed you by accident. You actually didn't get in. Uh, your application was incomplete. And I was like, well, nobody like said anything to me, but that I was like devastated. So oh my gosh, so devastated. That is just... My heart like, was ripped open. And like, I was just in tears for two days. Like, I was remember like mourning almost like who this person was. But what was so funny about it was that like, it was like a huge slap. And mm-hmm. like, it like, in like those cartoons where people like spin around. Yeah. Like I got spun around and like uh-huh. I ended up looking the other direction and being like, what the hell was I just about <laughs> to do? Like, I don't want to be an art historian. Like, what yeah. am I doing? And like, at that moment, I like started drawing again and I realized like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm like, I'm an artist. I have to be an artist. But mm-hmm. then I still didn't know what kind of artist I should be. Mm-hmm. And my best friend and I were sitting there and I remember it's like, I had like a mattress on the floor and I was like living in this apartment and I'm like sitting on the mattress on the floor and I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And she's like, she's like, why don't you become a fashion designer? Like she said, it was like, she was like, duh, you know, and this uh-huh. like light bulb went off and I was like, why didn't I, why wasn't I thinking of that? Like I've been making clothes this whole yeah. time and designing clothes this whole time. You've been like doing it like without knowing it and yeah. then you're like, oh yeah, this is something I love. Yeah. And, like, I do. love freaking clothes. Yeah. I can't go to sleep if I'm thinking about clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you went through this like crazy thing where you like totally pivoted, but you found your passion yeah. and then you went on to go to grad school at Drexel. Well, within three weeks of this realization that mm-hmm. I applied to Drexel, had my interview, and got in. Whoa. Yeah. Like, it went... I got in at the last second. Like, I slid through the door. Whoa. And, like, started the year, and I was like, now I'm in fashion design school. It was, like, kind of crazy. But I was, like, elated the entire time. Yeah. Like, I was high on life for three years. (laughs) Like, they would tell you the homework. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so excited. I can't wait to go home and do it. And then, like, everyone else is complaining. Or not everyone, but, like, some people were complaining. You were just, like, so happy to be there that (laughs) you were just like, yes, I will do this. That was so annoying. God. (laughs) I feel like I'm still that person. (laughs) Sometimes at my work, they're like, we have this new thing. I'm like, fuck, yes, give it to me. But no, that's great. Like we're we're passionate about what we do, so that's yes. that's really that's awesome. Why we're friends. Yeah. So <laughs> you went through Drexel, and I kind of you know since we've been close friends, and I've like actually interviewed you before. I love the fact that while you were in Drexel, you were just like plotting coming out with your own collection. You like didn't want to work anywhere else. You really just like from the beginning knew that you wanted to have your own clothing line well it's also because i can't take direction like, i literally <laughs> cannot you like, just you knew yourself well enough yeah pe- like i will try to take direction and i can't mm-hmm. so i knew i was gonna just be yelled at like constantly and be like looked at as an idiot <laughs> if i went to work for somebody else i was like i just need to do this on my own and like i always like envisioned myself making the clothing and being part of that process mm-hmm. I didn't see myself just like sketching something giving it to somebody else 
you know, I wanted to be a part of that process. And I also wanted to delve into what my style was. Like, what is, who am I as a designer? What's my point of view? What's my style? You know, that lot kind of stuff has to happen when you're not working for somebody else because you're going to get marred. You're going to get tainted in some way by that brand. You're going to learn a way of designing by that brand that's going to be infused into your work. And that could be good or that could be bad. Totally. But for me, I knew that I needed that like alone time. Totally. And also, you know, working for larger brands, you kind of get siloed where you're just doing one thing. Whereas like when you have your own clothing brand and it's a startup, you're really just doing everything, which yeah. is both really hard and also really invigorating because exactly. you're just like over like everything is yours <laughs> you're just kind of doing everything so I totally understand that just wanting to like be at the helm of the ship yeah it's a really exciting place to be you know and you're weathering those storms and you're mm -hmm. like you know you're going with it and the ups are really great and the downs are really bad and you have to just kind of keep it in perspective that it's going to keep doing that so each time you're down you, you have to like know that it's going to come yeah i know that there's like an, you up, know? an up and a down and yeah. that can be hard for like young designers to realize that they just feel so like hopeless in the beginning when things are going badly you know it's just you have to keep persevering like you know they say if you keep showing up at the bus stop you're going to get picked up Totally. I've, you know? ne I've never heard that. <laughs> I heard that on NPR like gonna, a few weeks ago. I want to start using that one too. I think, um, yeah, I think, okay, anyway. Um, so, okay, so you graduated school and I heard that like your last year you just like started mm -hmm. buying sewing machines. So yeah. how did you initially start with uh, Lobo Mao? So with my student loans that I was getting out at the time, I was buying dress forms and um, industrial machines from people all over the Philadelphia area. I drove like three hours one time to get a serger. It worked for one hour and then died. And I was oh, like, no. I hate everything. <laughs> but and I got it in like the mountains. It was crazy. But, you know, I was using the money that I had at the time. And then I got a, a small loan from a friend. I was able to like hire somebody to help me because I really needed like some help in the beginning. Like it was a very mm -hmm. scary process. And having someone to help me like navigate how to start a business and doing all that kind of stuff was really helpful. But I only could pay for her for like four months. And then I was kind of on my own from there. Mm -hmm. And I was just making clothes in my apartment and just selling them on Etsy. And Etsy had just started. It was like the first ah. year of Etsy. And they were still working out their kinks and everything like that. But it actually, like, I was able to make income. Oh, wow. A small that's, income. That's, the, yeah. that's still something. Yeah. And it was like working online. And it was kind of cool. And I had, like, customers all over the country. But, you know, just a few of them. But that was kind of how it started in the beginning. And then I was like pounded pavement, went to boutiques, got into a few boutiques, kind of was like dealing with that production all on my own, cutting. And then I started getting interns. People were like calling me up. Like I, ha I have to do an internship for my high school. I have to do an internship for school. Mm -hmm. Can I just come work for you? Like, okay, sure. Like you can be here for five weeks mm -hmm. and help me out every day. And that's kind of how, you know, I was lucky to be able to have that help when I couldn't even afford, you know, to yeah, hire anybody. No, totally. Um, and I think that's, I think apprenticeships and internships are actually really important. And, you know, people get a lot of slack for using quote unquote free labor, mm -hmm. but you're also giving somebody such an interesting experience that's outside of what they know. Totally. And that's, that to me is like, that's such a great education in itself. It, it totally. And I feel like sort of like to work in fashion, you, it's kind of like everyone has to like pay their dues and like yeah. intern. And I know like internships I did, 
I mean, I had like a few uh, internship where I like learned nothing. And then I would have one that was like so hands-on and I just would like learn so much and I would be like, whoa, like they did not <laughs> teach me that in school. Yeah. Like, thank you. Well, um, I feel like you've had such an interesting career, yeah. you know, like working in New York and having all those interesting companies. And- yeah. It was really cool. I feel like I got to do a lot and I think just speaking about like interns, like it's really a great way for like students or people who are trying to break into fashion to really like understand it uh better and yeah I think it's it's really helpful and it's super helpful to us like obviously like you know uh it's it's hard when you're a small business because you have to do everything and you literally can't do everything so like any help you can get like even if it's just like (laughs) punching holes in paper it's like Thank you so much. Yes. That's like two hours that like I did not making have to do that. Like making hang tags. Like thank you so much. Or just like the smallest, stupidest things that you feel guilty uh, giving them that task, but you're like whatever. Like you're gonna learn and like it's just yeah. It's really I've been really lucky helpful. to have like some awesome type A friends Ooh, that are, yes. are not in the fashion industry who like love like punching holes in paper. Oh my god! Or like making tags for hours while I like, watch TV. Like I have friends who love that shit. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like so lucky. I've had a really good group of friends that have helped me out. That also speaks to it. I think that like if you're going to start off your own business, you want to have that like network. And that definitely speaks to you where like people enjoy you enough that you're like, yes, like let me help you. And you're doing something really interesting. So that's really good. Thanks. Yeah. So Lobo Mal continued to grow. Um, and eventually you got like, we're doing, you had more wholesale orders and you were doing uh, trade shows. Um, and yeah, talk about just what that was like. Well, I really tried to do things the traditional way, mm-hmm. you know, like they tell you as soon as you get out of school, if you want to start your own thing, I, you know, I went, I read like Tim Gunn's book, like how to start your, be an independent designer. Or uh-huh. I forget what it's called, but you know, like I read all those books that were out there at the time and they all say, you know, you have to wholesale and you have to get a sales rep and you need to go to trade shows and you need to do everything kind of by this standard mm-hmm. that the big, big box stores do totally. and the big department stores. They, they're able to do that, you know, mm-hmm. but like starting out, you know, how do you pay for production when you don't have any money up front? And like a lot of designers come from money. I mean, it, it's the, it's a factor. A lot mm-hmm. of designers are able to do what they do because they have family that, you know, helps them out. And my parents are jazz musicians. I mean, yeah. they're successful jazz musicians, but they're not giving me money to start my fashion line. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I have to like ask friends. I had to build it on my own. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of just like, um, scheming in ways to like make the money kind of appear Mm -hmm. you know you have to start from nothing um yeah that's that's really tough and I feel like you know designers are told that they like have to be on this calendar and they have to produce this amount of seasons and truthfully starting out as a small brand or like a single person running a brand that's like so incredibly hard and (laughs) all the patterns you're trying to sell things at this high-end price and you're like breaking your neck to do quality control and production. And yeah. it's, it's really, I don't think people understand just how hard it is to do that correctly. True. And like once you need more than like one of something and you need people to start producing some, you know, products for you and you have to keep checking in with them and things go wrong and your money's thrown out the window. I mean, things, everything's kind of on a line at that point. Like it's a precarious line that you're on, that you're on and you have to really be careful to not always keep going that route if it's not working for you. You know, yeah. you have to say, like, I need to stop. I need to look 
at who I am and is this really working for me right now? And maybe it'll work for you in the future as your brand grows. And that's what, you know, that's kind of where I am now is I stopped doing wholesale completely after I did all the trade show kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't I didn't lose money, but I broke even and all those things. And that wasn't enough to kind of keep me going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had investors along the way at some point. And that was kind of something that, you know, I look back now on and think like that could have been cool if I'd had the right investors. But, you know, I also learned so much from the experience. That's great. Yeah. I think that it's like, you know, that you're on this journey and there's going to be lots of times when you go down maybe the path that's not right for you, but hopefully you like learn from that. Yeah. And then it gets you that much closer to like doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I think I always tell my students, I teach at Drexel, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it's better to know what you don't want sometimes than knowing what you do want. And, yeah. You know, like, you might not know what you want to do, but, like, if you know what you don't want to do, at least you have that going for you. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about, like, what your business is now because it's definitely changed from where you were and you talk about how that you um, aren't doing wholesale anymore. But you have this really unique process where – you have a whole studio, you make the prints yourself, you're making these really great sort of custom orders, and you also have this kind of great relationship with your customers. So sort of talk about that, like how if someone wants to buy a Lobo Mal piece, what's the process of that? Okay. Well, um, just like quick, quick backstory. Um, I, you know, when I was in design school, I was very concentrating on print and, and digital printing, uh, when I got out of school, it was like $100 a yard. And I was like, I can't do that right mm-hmm. now. Um, so that was back in the day when it had just begun. Um, so I went to work at the Fabric Workshop Museum. And I met somebody there who was a um, a print major at Tyler for, um, at Temple. And he um, started doing prints with me and for me. And so we started printing fabric. And that's kind of how the Lobo Mal aesthetic was born because we we were printing fabric and having control over our own textile designs. So, and then the look of it was this like one color print on, you know, a knit fabric. So that kind of has carried through this whole time, the last you know, almost 10 years that we've been in business now. Um, and we, um, <laughs> so sorry. <Okay. laughs> um, you were, you met this guy who's this really great, uh, print textile designer. Yeah. So I realized that we what we really needed was our own textile printing studio because we didn't have anywhere to print. So that was one of my goals was to build the studio. And it took, you know, maybe about three years to kind of get that money together um, to rent a big studio space where I could build a 50-foot printing table. So all of our clothing is hand silk screen in, in the studio. So that's kind of what's given our, uh, the, our clothing its aesthetic and, you know, its appeal, I guess, to uh, we have very just like um, abstracted kind of prints. We don't really do anything tangible like flowers or leaves or anything like that. We just do kind of make abstract designs, textural mm-hmm. kind of designs. And then um, we make clothing out of it. And so we make everything in-house. Everything is to order. Um, we fit things to people if they want it a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, you know, tuck it in a little bit. That's what we do. So um, we've been building our clientele in Philadelphia for like, you know, the past 
nine, 10 years, um, very slowly kind of meeting people. I've had uh, pop-up boutiques. I've owned boutiques with other designers along the way in Philadelphia. Um, and we're also getting ready to be opening, hopefully, a pop-up in Hudson, New York Ooh, this exciting. summer. Uh, waiting on some code stuff for that. Um, but yeah, so basically everything is just made to order. So we've developed, you know, uh, customers that come back every season and want to buy, you know, the latest pieces. Uh, we have the, all their information on file so we can actually go and say like, oh, she bought this shirt last time. Mm-hmm. We took it up two inches, you know, and, yeah. and I'm able to kind of make things proportionate. So some of those notes sometimes if I, you know, we're able to kind of just tell what people what they're going to. Uh, proportionately look best in and kind of keep that ballpark figure like in their file yeah and that's kind of great because I feel like you know people get to meet with you they get to see your studio and then they're still buying a piece from you that's like designed by you and has all the sort of like lobo mal uh sort of uh characteristics of it but they're really getting something that will fit them specifically to them. Yeah. And I feel like for a lot of women and men, because you do some men wear it, that's like amazing because I hear so many horror stories of people who just can't find clothes that fit well. Yeah, it is hard. Anyone with boobs really struggles. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that. And I'm one of those women. Mm-hmm. So finding shapes that look good with for you, especially when you're short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of compassion. I feel, you know, I'm, I'm small. I'm, I'm big boobed. Mm-hmm. I'm a voluptuous woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I, that has helped me in many ways kind of figure out what people, yeah. you know, and like I've been many body types mm-hmm. in my life. So kind of know, you know, what looks best, what me on me at certain body types, like when I was maybe a little bit smaller or when I was more medium mm-hmm. or if I was bigger. And so it really, really helpful to me for fit. So totally. I think that's the one other thing. That's probably the main characteristic of our clothing mm-hmm. is that uh, it fits well and mm-hmm. it feels nice. Like I really, really, really choose. I'm very choosy about fabric. Like a hand has to be really yeah. right, you know? Yeah, you have to get that good hand feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want anything that's just like uncomfortable yeah. on me. The world is uncomfortable enough. It is, it is. Especially <laughs> right now, we're recording this in the summer and it is so sticky. <laughs> it's and not too bad. We have ice water. We have, we have ice water to like ease us. And sadly, I've turned off all the fans so that we can't record. I'm perfectly happy. All right, good, good. I'm, I'm happy that you are comfortable. Um, so another really exciting thing that has happened pretty recently in the last few years with your business is your brother started to work with you and he is mm-hmm. now your business partner. And yeah. for those who don't, he's not here, but uh shout out Jordan Haddad, who is <laughs> such an angel and, and so helpful. Angel, really? I, I, would, I would call Jordan an angel. He's, um, for a little backstory. He used to put up with me. Um, I do a lot of events with Nicole and we plan a lot of events. And Jordan is just like always there to help me and like, open the door and help me like take things to my car and it's just like thank you Jordan like like everyone should have a Jordan <laughs> Jordan's a nice guy mm-hmm. he really is but he you cannot walk all over Jordan ah, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you learned that the hard way <laughs> no it's yeah it's a very it's a very good characteristic I have to say because I'm a little bit more t- I'm a little too nice sometimes mm. you know I don't enjoy putting my foot down you, you kind of need like the good cop bad cop Dynamic. I know, but the only, I just don't want to have too much of that because 
then like the bad cop like gets resentful of the good cop for not yeah. putting their foot down so like every once in a while I'll do like a really dirty deed and I'll, I'll like a dirty task and yeah. I'll, I'll be like I'll take this one and I'll like do it and he's like thank you you know so I can always claim that I did it nice that, that sounds good and that sounds yeah. like a good like way to we try to be things. fair it's hard sometimes because I am we do have an older sister little brother dynamic mm. you know I'm eight years older than he is yeah but like now we're both you know he's gonna be 30 and I'm 37 so you know we're gonna be in our 30s now yeah together. you're kind of like the planes are like evened and you're like yeah in the, I'm like we're the in same, our 30s the same okay. time of your life yeah my mom can be like oh our kids are in their 30s yeah <laughs> but yeah so we're kind of and he's getting to that point in, in his life where he likes to stay home more mm-hmm. and like I'm kind of over that phase like I did that for a little while in my like early 30s and then mm-hmm. I was like no more <laughs> you're like, life is too short life's too short and gotta like have fun yeah you then know? you have to have fun but anyway back to my brother yes back to Jordan so, so how <laughs> is like jo- like what is your dynamic and how has uh Jordan been like helping with the business um, well, at first he was kind of just cutting fabric for me mm-hmm. and then, um, it quickly, or we got really busy and mm-hmm. he kind of started stepping into more leadership positions and kind of running things. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he, we are business partners and we just, he takes care of the finances now and also like more of the business deal stuff. Like he's, he looks at all of our contracts with our lawyer and he goes over things with the accountant and he's like, you know, one in charge of that. Of course, I want to know everything that's happening. Yeah. But, um, and he wants to know what's happening on my end, but I run production mm-hmm. and design and all and marketing as much as possible. But he's mm-hmm. also helping with social media now too, which is good. That's great. We're both kind of doing it together. But um, the dynamic is really good. I mean, we're very, um, like, you know, we love each other a lot. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of cariño. That's the word in Portuguese um, that I don't know what it means. What is cariño? I feel like Cut. it's like <laughs> kindness or something. Um, you know, I have a lot of like heart, yeah. heart, heart feelings towards him. Yeah. Like so, you know, if I do get mad at him, I am able to forgive him. And yeah, because like... you're just like so close that you like can't yeah, stand no, mad like, for that. Yeah, he's my little brother. Like yeah. I changed his diapers and fed him with his airplane spoon. Aww. <laughs> it was the cutest spoon. That's really cool, and that's it's so funny. This is like a person you've known him all of his life yeah from like when he was a toddler and now you guys get to like work on this together it's cool because you know jordan used to always stick up for me like when my parents would b- both be yelling at me and i was mm-hmm. like maybe in middle school and he would come mm-hmm. over and be like don't yell at nicole <laughs> nice like, like stop car- crying nicole Aww. like he was so sweet so he's, he's like, like always me. been like a supporter yeah he's always been a supporter and i you know he's really a believer in what we're doing and you know he's he's there but he's also there to say like i don't think that's a good idea or i don't think we should do that now you know so that's good to have that person yeah you know? and like I feel like you need that person and you need to like deeply trust them. Like I think it, I actually think, um, I have always wanted to find like a perfect business partner and it's like really hard for me because I'm so specific and I do work well with others, but I feel like on my business, it would just be, it would feel really tough. And Mm -hmm. I'm always like jealous of people who have that dynamic where I'm like, whoa, like how do you guys do that? That's amazing. Well, I kissed a lot of toads. You kissed a lot of toads. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tried, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Business partner I tried to partner with people, too, mm-hmm. you know, many times. And mm-hmm. it didn't work out, and it created a horrible relationship and a dynamic where, like, I don't want to see that person anymore. Yeah. You know, like, like I don't want to run into them, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't want to live my life like that. But, like, 
And that happens when you don't see eye to eye on something with business mm-hmm. and people get pissed at each other. But like with my brother, at least I can get pissed at him and then not have this like grudge that like, go, you know, like yeah. who the hell is this person that I don't even know? Like, yeah. And this deep distrust, like it's different. I, I know him. I know his intentions are good. I know mm-hmm. he's not trying to like swindle me or yeah. like get the spotlight. You know what yeah. I mean? I've always felt like people were always had an ulterior motive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds... Yeah, I feel like I, that's a, a lovely relationship you guys have. We fight too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're not like idyllic or anything. <laughs> um, and with that, I also just wanted to talk about um, this just like really awesome community we have in Philly of local fashion designers. And I feel like there's a lot of different brands, but I feel like you, I kind of think of you as like the mother of it only because of my big boobs. No, no, no. Because the Lobo <laughs> Mouse studio is like the spot. Okay. Oh, it's, also, it's also your boobs. I'll say that. <laughs> um, no, your studio is like, I feel like the place where we convene. And I feel like every time I stop in there, even if I'm just saying hi, there's like all these cool people who are like, you're like, meet this person. He's now working for me. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this person is so cool. And, um, you just like, I feel like help like nurture this community. I mean, um, I want to be that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I want to be like Gertrude Stein of fashion, Sweet. you know, I want to be like sitting in my chair. Jordan's like, you're always looking for a throne. I was like, I am. <laughs> like, I'm looking for a throne right now to have as my as my like desk chair. <laughs> nice. I also love that quote, the Gertrude Stein of fashion. I don't think I've ever <laughs> met someone who aspires to that. Yeah, that's what I want to be. And like, mm-hmm. I just want to have like a community of like like minded minds. Mm-hmm. You know, we just like coming together, and that's what we have. And, yeah, but, we like, do. Everyone's light hearted. I feel like that we. Everyone can take a joke and like everyone tells pretty good jokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's so nice to be around. Yeah. And I think like we were talking about this earlier. I think we're in creative professions and I think in creative professions, you there's lots of competition and everyone I think is, and I totally understand this. Everyone's trying to show like the best aspects of themselves and the be- their like best qualities or how much this they've gotten or how many X, Y, and Z they've sold. And there's a lot of kind of like chest pumping. And I feel like our group of friends, we're just like super supportive. And we just are like, we obviously care about those things because we're running a business and we, you know, have to make money. But I think we're really supportive of each other and we want to help each other get the sales as much as we want our own brands to get the sales. And it's, it's not a competitive or toxic environment. So that's, that's what's been really nice. I know we have a really nice group of people. Yeah, it's, it's a good group. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, I wanted to create this podcast just because I feel like everyone has like these really great stories I wanted to share. But I also um, wanted to see if you had any like advice to give people who are thinking about starting a creative endeavor, or whether it's becoming a designer or doing something totally different um but like just things that you've learned along the way i know that's like kind of putting you on the spot to mm, big thing. like a, an advice maybe not advice or just you know i mean you've talked a lot about so far of like you know the trials and tribulations but i don't know like or maybe something that you're like working on now that you're trying to figure out i think that you have to be adaptable for mm, sure yeah like if you want to survive you have to be adaptable and it might take you longer because you're gonna to have to keep switching directions yeah but like eventually you'll get there or get where you want to be you know like mm-hmm. you don't need to be famous you don't need to be like 
mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not trying to be a famous designer. I yeah. just want to, like, have a nice living and, like, have maybe have a little mountain home or something. Yeah. You know? like We, we all just want a little mountain home. I want, I want a mountain home. <laughs> yeah. And I also <laughs> want to travel and, like, eat good cheese. Oh, good cheese for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and have and my friends over and mm-hmm. have parties. Like, my... When I think about my life, I want to have lots of parties. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think, yeah, for people that are just starting out, um, just be flexible and know that, look, if something's not working for you, you don't have the money to carry on an idea at that mm-hmm. time, switch directions. Just keep going. Just keep doing something. Even if you're tired, like wake up, send some emails, like yeah. do something it's like you to don't, move forward You don't have to do everything, but you can do something. Yeah. Anything you can do to move your business and your life forward in one day, like just do one thing, mm-hmm. honestly. Totally. And don't put that pressure on yourself. Yeah, stop being so hard on yourself. We were talking <laughs> about this earlier and we live in a time where like you can go on Instagram and you can see everyone you know looking like they're doing like 10 things better than you're yeah. doing it and you can get incredibly discouraged, which I think we all go through that. And I feel like, um, you know, running a business, you just got to cut yourself some slack and you have to celebrate every little win. Yes. Like you really have to take the time to be like, I fucking did that. That was really awesome. I'm really proud of myself. But I must add on top of that, you still have to be working your ass off <laughs> at the same time. You can't be like, oh, I got this little win. All yeah. right. Time to go out and party. Like, yeah. no, you got to work your ass off mm-hmm. to the point of exhaustion, but then you celebrate the win that you get. Totally. And make sure to appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, yeah, just obviously, sadly, you have to always be working harder <laughs> or not sadly, but then also to, I think it's easy to get down in the dumps, but to just like, you know, s- celebrate your wins that you've had. Yeah. And you are who you are. You know, mm-hmm. don't comparing yourself to other people is just, you can't go down that path. Yeah. It's so easy to get discouraged that way. And they might be looking at your thing and like thinking like this account is amazing. You know, you don't know. So it's just always, it's good not to, not to have those thoughts at all. Like, don't let it, if there's somebody that you like really admire that maybe you like are always stalking on Instagram and then feeling bad about yourself, just don't look at that person's account for a while. Like don't, you know, just like take a break from like feeling bad about yourself Yeah, and concentrate on yourself. Yeah, sort of like, yeah, concentrate on the, the really cool stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Easier said than done, of course. Yes, naturally. I feel like we're all like in a constant battle with that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. And it was a pleasure. Telling me about yourself. Um, and if you guys don't know the Lobo Mal brand, you can check them out online. But I highly, highly suggest making an appointment to go to their studio because it's just a really awesome place. They have a beautiful little fitting room and you get to see all their different collections and then you get to actually see where things are made. And Nicole was talking about that, what is it, 50 foot? Or yeah, 50, 50 foot. foot table. And you really <laughs> just, you can get to see how your fabric is made for your one of a kind piece. So I highly suggest checking out Lobo Mal. And, and you can do that on our website, uh, com. They don't say WWW anymore. <laughs> they but don't. But whatever. <laughs> um, showing my age here, I guess. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Gabby. <laughs>
For more extras on this and other episodes, check out www.superendura.com. We would love if you could subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you do your podcast listening, and please give us a rating and review. Be sure to check out our Instagram, where we are always posting new content about brands we love and our own brand. We also love hearing from you, so please feel free to email us at info at This episode was recorded and produced by Gabrielle Mandel. Theme music by Kevin Bendis. Kevin Bendis is also our audio engineer and sound mixer. We will see you back here next week, where we sit down with another creative entrepreneur and listen to their journey and what they have learned.